Welcome back to Revelation On Demand Podcast, a podcast interested in what the Bible has to say about our lives today. Join us as we see what revelations we find today. I'm your host, J.D. Myers, and joined today, as usual, by Mr. Chris Hess. How you doing, man? Hey, I'm I'm hanging in there, bro. Um, obviously, we got a lot of things going on in the world right now. I got stuff going on, you know, spiritually with, you know, friends and family. So all the prayer, all the love. I, I, you know, I, I've been taking it in lately and it's been, you know, it's, it's been a doozy, but we're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And prayer is really important. Prayer is really powerful. So, uh, do you want to go into any more detail on that or is that just where you want to leave it? Uh, yeah. I mean, for now, I, I, I would say like personally, like me, Mr. Chris S, how's he doing? Uh, I would say, you know, I'm really, I'm managing, uh, with some hardships right now. And uh, without the Lord, I wouldn't be able to, I don't know where I'd be. Honestly, I'd probably be hiding under a rock like yeah. Patrick Starr. Yeah, I can understand that. <laughs> yeah. So we finally know who's president. <laughs> that was only, gosh, like two months, but congratulations, Mr. Joe Biden. I, Wish that you have a good reign and that you follow the Lord's will, you know. Uh, Very but. respectful to the point, yeah. Mm. I think regardless of what's going on or who's on what side, uh, respecting our country and the office of the presidency is very important. You could completely disagree with what's going on, mm. uh, but I like how you put that. Yeah, no, and and that's kind of been my revelation this week. You know, being a libertarian, I I really want, you know, the freest world possible, and I want everyone to be as free as possible. But I realize that, you know, no man-made government will ever last or bring peace and comfort for eternity. The only government that can do that is the final one where God is everything, you know? Yeah. So... Even uh, I just noticed today that when societies become more chaotic, they incite more order until they become, you know, authoritarian regimes. And then they become so orderly that slowly more chaos ensues until they break up. And this just happens over hundreds of years, but it's still a rise and fall of empires that this is why. God tells us that he needs to come first. Cause when we put God first, I mean, just look at the old Testament, whenever the Israelites put God in his rightful place, they started having more success. And whenever they forgot about it, they started having issues. And I'm thinking that this is one of those places where whoever is president is just judgment on us, on how, how much we fear and respect God and how much we put him first. Hey man, that's so. that's the way that it was written in the first place, and um, yeah, I mean, I, I follow some of those ideals too because I don't have a political affiliation. I never registered for a party. Um, every time I vote, you know, they it's got to be one way or the other, or you know, <laughs> I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Fearing God shouldn't be something that you're condemned for because ultimately. It's like respecting your father. Yeah. Yeah. And then we, we could have probably talked about this last time, but it, it really 
really has gotten under my skin now and we have the full details on it, but the reverend who ended a prayer in uh, praise be to Brahma and amen and a woman in front of Congress, that that's just, mm, that's paganism starting to creep into our faith. And when you start seeing this, it, it's just one of those symptoms of, we not putting God in his rightful place, you know, amen is Latin for let it be. So, so if you have such an issue with saying man or men, then end your prayers with let it be. So, you know, cause it's basically the same thing, but dedicating a prayer to another God is just, uh, I'm sorry. It's heresy. <laughs> There's no nicer way to put it. <laughs> heresy. Heresy is an accurate, um, not just an assumption, but that is literally what it is. It, you know, yeah. what one nation under God, indivisible, and here we are, um, dividing ourselves to unify with a culture or a an entity, so to speak, not an actual metaphysical entity, but an entity that is belonging to a system and belief system that is completely unaffiliated with us, and, and in fact. Uh, not to get too stringent here, but you know, a lot of those, I won't, I won't narrow it down to what that God, what he was referring to belongs to, but we're, we're constantly in the crosshairs from foreign entities all the time. So why, uh, what, where does that bring peace? amongst our own people when we are founded on the beliefs of Jesus Christ and his father, the one true God above. Right. Yeah. And, and I think it was uh, Thomas that said, this is a country made for a religious and moral people. And when he was saying that he wasn't saying just any religious and moral people, he was referring to Christian morality. So when we start bringing these other gods and and I believe they're real. I believe they are real spirits that have real animated power that uh, can manifest itself in humans. It's just they are not nearly as powerful as the one true god. He is he's leagues above these these lesser deities that show up and and try and control us. Yeah. That, that's and that control aspect. It's so funny because all this sounds. It's too. It, and I'm just gonna phrase it in my way here. It's for a lot of that new age movement to just completely conform to the ideas of the world, and it's it's supposed to be liberating or freeing, you know, because we're we are a democratic republic, but let's just for all intents and purposes say we are a democracy that it takes in so much. Um, and not to say that we're not accepting of other cultures, but Mm -hmm. I I mean, you get what I'm throwing out here. Yeah, I think so. It's, it's just the, the more we start leading people away from God, which is my big issue with this. You know, I don't have any issues with other believers of other religions being in our country and, and trying because that just means it's a new mission field for us. It's a new place that we can go to try and convince people of the truth. What I have issue with is when it starts coming into the government 
because the government kind of imposes things from the top down. So if the government is imposing this paganism, which it is, it's, it's starting to move away from atheism because the atheists are losing steam and it's going to switch over to this paganism because at least some spirituality has more power than no spirituality. We're going to see that they're going to start, you know, cracking down on our beliefs as Christians and it's already started happening with censorship and stuff like that. So it's just, uh, this is probably going to be a soft, a soft tyranny, not a hard tyranny. So I don't think there's going to be, you know, like police knocking at your door and taking you off to re-education camps. I think it's going to be a lot through the internet because we are very connected through the internet. So right now it'd be a good time to get a physical Christian group together to meet regularly. And hopefully in someone's home where they're not going to be able to shut down that meeting, you know? Oh, yeah. Let's not even go there. Intervention to how your beliefs are suddenly wrong and how we need to start, um, just quoting a congressman here, praying to Brahma. (laughs) Anyways. Or congressman. My on, bad. I, I said man. <laughs> man. Oh, Congress member. There you go. <laughs> Anyways, let's let's get on to what happened last episode and stop thinking so much about we could have a whole podcast about just the world and our ranting. But that's not what you're here for. Let's talk about good stuff. So what happened last episode, which is chapter fifteen. Today we'll be talking over chapter 16. So we were just talking about the setup for the seven bowls. The first seven angels are coming out of the temple. We see the clouds surround the temple and the temple is being closed off. We see the last people come in who are being collected into heaven and there's lots of singing and worship and the seven plagues are filled into the bowls to be handed out or poured out onto the earth to be cleansed for final recreation. Now, something that we... No, you didn't. Um, And not to interject too suddenly, I'm really excited about this one, actually. But um, this is going... So we've talked about the continuity of Revelations uh, more than once, and how there is not necessarily revisions, but how we, in a similar term, we... Re, uh, re, we reoccupy certain sections of how this is one story. So we've talked about these incense bowls before, uh, though this is going to delve into further detail, which we didn't talk about this very long ago. I mean, this has got to be, what, eight to ten chapters ago that we first yeah. mentioned the, the bowls of incense and how yeah. and what plagues were struck and how and where though this one's going to get a little bit further into okay where specifically how specifically what exactly are are well we're going to be in heaven by then but what what exactly are these people going to have to look out for what is the world going to look like in order to be spoiler alert recreated mm-hmm. yeah and, and just one one last thing to think about is that at the time that the bowls start, there is no one else to be saved. So as we'll see as we go through this, is that people, no matter how bad these last plagues get, are 
so hardened in their hearts, they refuse to repent. So if you would be so kind to read our scripture, yes, we'll uh, split it up today. Alrighty. As a friendly reminder, this is the book of Revelation, chapter 16. <clears throat> then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, go and pour out the seven bowls of God's wrath on the earth. The first went and poured out his bowl on the earth and severely painful sores broke out on the people who had the mark of the beast and who worshiped its image. The second poured out his bowl into the sea. It turned to blood like that of a dead person and all life in the sea died. The third poured out his bowl into the rivers and the springs of water and they became blood. I heard the angel of the waters say, You are just, the Holy One who is and who was, because you have passed judgment on these things. Because they poured out the blood of the saints and the prophets, you have given them blood to drink. They deserve it. I heard the altar say, Yes, Lord God, the Almighty, true and just are your judgments. The fourth poured out his bowl onto the sun. It was allowed to scorch people with fire, and people were scorched by the intense heat. So they blasphemed the name of God, who has the power over these plagues, and they did not repent and give him glory. Yeah, so something that just stuck out to me right there is that you have the uh, angels of the water, angels, angel of the waters, who is pronouncing that God's judgment is right. So right there we have an example of a spirit. Now this is a good spirit, but a spirit who is in control of something in God's creation. And then later we have the altar speaking, which could be the people we the martyrs that we heard who were under the altar in an earlier chapter. It could also be the altar itself. It might have a spirit in heaven. So that's just something since we were talking about a little bit about, you know, deities and stuff like that, that stuck out to me this morning as we first read over that. Yes. So, uh, do you know what hierarchy of angel these might be? Uh, probably the one over the water is a principality, which would be your, I mean, you could think of elements like that, fire, earth, air. These are angels who are, given one domain over something in the physical world. So, I mean, you could even go as far as saying, well, there must be an angel of gravity, you know? So, and, and when we say angel, we're using it in, in the more, uh, more, the more vague term, which would actually be daemon, not, uh, angel, because angels are a specific class of those good spirits that are messengers. So, I mean, there's, there's demons and there's angels, and then they all are part of the same group that's called daemons, which is a Greek word for spirits. Yes, sir. And, um, just another introspective thing that you might want to consider here. If this first strikes you with, Oh my gosh, you know, this is probably the worst thing that I can imagine for any of humanity. Um, if you really do put yourself in the shoes of these angels, demons, uh, 
or someone who has partook in only the only God's grace at their last moment, this is less of revenge and more of vengeance for defiling the name of God and yeah. for his creation being so cor- corroded spiritually and physically, one could argue. Um, yeah. So if you put yourself in those shoes, it, it makes a little more sense. It, that way, it, it's not intended to make you personally feel bad, like I'm being mm-hmm. part of this or did I somehow have an influence on this? This is the way it is. Yeah, and and as I said, we kind of heard that in the last episode, there is no innocence left on earth at this point. Everyone who is innocent would have been taken up to heaven. So the right. gates of heaven are closing. So four of the seven bowls directly respond to uh, plagues in Exodus. So we see a lot of right. uh, play with these plagues. Uh, we're going to go over these first four, and I think two of them are correspondent to plagues. Uh, the trumpets share five judgments with the bulls. So while the trumpets we heard, you know, a third and a quarter and these these sections of numbers where only part of creation was struck dead or, you know, struck destroyed, uh, these bulls are coming through and finally completing everything. So this is the third seven, which would be the, the seven of completion. So, so there's a, oh, just uh, just something I wanted to say real quick too was that um, since I, I guess the well we use the keyword for today it's recreation or yeah recreation of Earth so this is meant to as we've seen previously in the Bible uh, all throughout the Old Testament you and um, I mean just take the story of Noah for example why did he have to build an ark to preserve life for the rest of earth, you know, it's because this place continuously, God has tried to purge evil from the earth, purge mm-hmm. the influence of hell and Satan, uh, you know, with his manifestations and his own, uh, his own creatures, so to speak. We talk about, the dragon represents him, but you also got the beast of the land, uh, mm-hmm. the beast of the sea. The beast of the land is the one that gives us. Uh, is it the beast of the land that gives us the 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 mark, the mark of the yes. beast? Yes, yes, yes. It okay, is. yes, and that is it, that is something that just spews blasphemy all the time. It's a humongous monster that just spews blasphemy all the time. And these people who are so greedy, so drawn into sin, just have the desire to worship it. So Mm -hmm. obviously those who were pulled in by such a foolish influence have, you know, scorched. Yeah. The bridge they're they're they, they're the ones who burnt the bridge and, Oh, excuse me. Uh, this this shows a little bit of the bias of my sources, but there is people who believe that revelations already fulfilled in history, and uh, this is a point where I feel that argument is very weak because it was when they talk about this part being fulfilled in history, they're only talking about places in Israel; they're not talking about the whole earth. Whereas it says the whole earth is being affected by this, so that feels like a weak point when. Uh, you're talking to people who believe that revelation is already complete. 
Uh, so going on to the first bowl, we have we were talking about those people who were marked by the beast. Now this is this is uh, was there something you wanted to add? I was I was in concurrence. Oh, okay, with you, my friend. Okay, yeah. So they were marked by the beast. Now God is marking those believers. So they're being you know marked for destruction. This is the sixth plague in the Exodus where the people of Egypt who weren't God's people were affected by the sores and their livestock, which in this case, the livestock is doesn't, it doesn't say anything about livestock being affected. But again, this would be everyone on the whole earth being, you know, covered in these painful sores because there is no, again, no innocence left. We get to the second bowl when it turned the sea to dark red blood and all the life dies in the sea back in revelation eight, when we were talking about the chapters or the trumpets, excuse me, we heard one of the trumpets was blown and a third of the life in the sea died. Well, now this bowl is coming through <clears throat> wiping out the rest of the, the uh, sea life and turning all the salt water to blood, which doesn't affect humans too badly other than it and this is like foul red liquid it may not be blood but it's more than likely when it says blood it could be referring to a thick uh dark liquid like when blood starts to congeal after death so this is the completion of that destruction the sea is now made barren and ready for recreation then the third bowl turns the rivers to blood, and this is justice for the death of the saints. So it said what the angel of the waters was talking about how it is just since they killed all the saints and, and those people who were for God. Now they only have blood to drink because they were so bloodthirsty that they had to kill people. Now they are given you know, into that there, you want to kill people, go ahead and now drink from, from that, you know, and and they, uh, a, accordingly, they deserve it too, which, which yeah. is exactly why I wanted to draw that line between vengeance and revenge. It's vengeance for those who have been affected. Um, and you know, uh, I guess if <laughs> I, I, there's no way you could be ever it, see a lot of the, the culture of the mark of the beast, and the evil, so to speak, culture is, is are people who embrace uh, bloodlust and uh, among uh, a number of horrible things. And it's like you can never truly, if you're in a dire situation, or regardless on a normal situation for most of these people, to be honest, be into that. Are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah, and um, so this this. This uh, third bowl that does all the rivers is completing another trumpet in Revelation 8 where a third of the fresh water was struck as uh, I think it was it wasn't blood, but it was uh, I think it was made unclean and unable to drink and it would make yes. people sick. So and but it, it combines that trumpet with the Exodus with the first plague where Mo Moises, as I dubbed him last episode, yes. turned the river to blood in Egypt. 
So it's, it's marrying those two concepts where it's the final, it's making all the fresh water ready for recreation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those who delighted in shedding of blood shall now have blood to drink. Yes. They refused the living water and now will drink the water of death. And, and like Chris was saying, this isn't, this isn't uh revenge. This isn't like, ju- this isn't, just desserts for you know god isn't getting revenge on these people he is he is acting justice on these people they have sinned in the highest way they are now being judged and they are being you know executed for that judgment so it's it's and it's a crime of the masses if we Mm. source a little bit further back um, and this might be something you've heard in church or just casually is in the way, in the views of Christianity, hello, um, no sin is greater or lesser. Every sin is equal in the eyes of the Lord. So when you think about a mass contamination or even an eradication at this rate, um, what are you trying to get rid of the issue? Is that issue based off of every single individual? Well, in a way, because like, do you want your house full of ants or not? (laughs) But um, that's, that's cheesy of me, but you know, basically um, all of these people account to one thing and that is the utmost of crime and sin. Yeah. Because where it says all sin is counted the same, it's because when you, Sin, it means you are going against the wishes of the creator. So, you know, amazing we have the ability to do that because, you know, if I was a creator, I don't think I would leave that up to chance. But uh, being as I'm not omniscient, I guess I can't play six-dimensional chess. But um, as I was saying, when you sin, it's against the creator and he's an infinite being, at least in our perspective, and more than likely beyond that too. But if you sin against the infinite, even a little bit, there's no, there's no scale, you know, even the smallest offense to the infinite is infinite. So when you sin at all and you don't repent, the judgment is death. So, that's where the blessing of Jesus Christ, this is where nothing you do can save you. The only thing you can do to save yourself is to give it up to Jesus. He's the only one who can, you know, wash you of your sins and, and cover you for that infinite offense. No matter how small it seems to us, it's infinite in the spiritual realm. Right. It's all, he is almighty and all powerful. So a slight deviation it could cost you quite a bit. Yeah. Luckily we are given that grace of Jesus. So we can, we can at least make it into heaven, even if we're undeserving of it. So well, the fourth I, bowl, I think the Holy spirit moves in different ways, but we can, we can yeah. differ on that. Yeah. So the fourth bowl was poured out onto the sun and the heat scorched the earth. So, you know, God placed the sun so that it gives us, Life, you know, if you study the way that plants grow and then plants are eaten by animals. So basically, we live off of sunlight other than water because 
either the plants that we eat or the animals we eat through some way are getting their energy and life from the sun. So now what was once a blessing is now a curse. It is scorching the entire earth. I mean, this could, this could very well be the, the, the death of the sun that scientists have, you know, predicted will happen in a few billion years where the sun will expand and the outer layers of the sun will pretty much consume the earth. So that could be what that is. And this, and what it keeps hammering at, and I mentioned this at the beginning is just the failure of man to repent even during this judgment. So there's not even that kind of false repentance where, you know, even a thief, when they get caught, you know, it's like, sorry, you know, I'm sorry for getting caught, but are they sorry for doing it? You know? So there's not even that anymore. These, these people are so hardened, which brings me back to Exodus in the Pharaoh where he just, he's hardened his heart so much that he just can't, he can't, you know, be saved in, in that same way that Pharaoh, it led to his demise where his hardened heart led to his demise. These people who are left on the earth during the time of the bowls, they're so hardened that they will you know, suffer for eternity for that. So, yeah. And just to be clear, these, uh, even if you want to separate the innocent from the bad guys, the, this is a situation where everyone, not everyone, but the specific individuals who are still there, uh, or as a group are irredeemable. They, yeah. uh, God is all understanding. He knows. So, don't I wouldn't think twice and even claim to say, okay, well, what if something caused someone to be impaired at one point and that forever changed them? Okay, but you know we're we're not talking about that. We're not we're talking about redeemable qualities when accepting the Lord. We're talking about straight up, you know, uh, you can forget your suntan lotion. In this case, you can forget your suntan lotion because you know someone threw it in the grill. Yeah, no, this is, this, you need like SPF 90,000, but if you would be so kind to read out, to finish out these, these, uh, cleansing bowls. Is that what this is? Yeah, we do need to get moving on with this. <laughs> <clears throat> the fifth poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast and its kingdom was plunged into darkness. People nod their tongues because of their pain and blasphemy the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, but they did not repent on their works of their works. The sixth, the sixth poured out his bull on the great river of Euphrates and its water dried up to prepare the way for the Kings from the East. Then I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming from the dragon's mouth from the beast's mouth and from the mouth of a false prophet, of the false prophet, excuse me. For they are demonic spirits performing signs who will travel to the kings of the whole world to assemble them for the battle on the great day of God, the Almighty. Look, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who is alert and remains clothed, so that he may not, he may not go around naked, and people see his shame. So they assembled the kings at the place called in Hebrew Armageddon. 
Then the seventh poured out his bowl into the air, and a loud voice came out from the temple from the throne, saying, It is done. There were flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. And a severe earthquake occurred, like no other since people have been on the earth. So great was the quake. The great city split into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. Babylon the Great was remembered in God's presence. He gave her the cup filled with the wine of his fierce anger. Every island fled, and the mountains disappeared. Enormous hailstones, each weighing about a hundred pounds, fell from the sky on people, and they blasphemed God for the plague of hail, because that plague was extremely severe. Yep, and with that, we finish out the chapter. So, as we go into the bowls, uh, you may not like what I have to say about frogs. So, if 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 you like the princess and the frog story, maybe you should stop listening at this point. Um, <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> well, it just anyone who reads the Bible regularly probably doesn't like frogs, anyways. But coming back to the fifth bowl. So, on the throne of the beast and his kingdom was sent into darkness. This, again, this was a lot like the one in Exodus, the plague of darkness, which it could be, you know, it probably is literal and political in this case. So, you know, this is, God is sending the empire, the throne of the beast into chaos. So, this will be, there'll be, you know, uprisings, there'll be war, there'll be, you know, just political unrest and darkness. So... I mean, a right. lot like what we see we seen last year, you know, just maybe on a much, much larger scale. And again, the innocent won't be part of this. So this this darkness is a very is a foreshadowing into what these people will be experiencing for eternity, the outer darkness, otherwise known as hell. Quick question for you. So yep. I, I I believe we went over this in the previous episode. Refresh mm. me though. So this throne of the beast, did we cover that this is this happens to in case anyone wants specifics, um this happens to be in a place that's like the polar opposite of Babylon or Jerusalem that's at the epicenter of evil. Yeah, it's it's it'd be the center of evil. So I don't know if that's going to be where the new temple is is erected, you know, we talked a little bit about that, that new temple being erected quite possibly in Jerusalem, uh, which could become the new Babylon. I, I don't exactly know, but yes, that throne of the beast is symbolic of the government, the power over all the kingdoms of the beast. Right. So when, when it's talking about darkness going over that, it's talking about going over, the entire political structure of it. So there probably will be, you know, literal darkness too, but it's yeah. talking also about unrest. I like, I like, I don't, I think you used the word authoritarian earlier. Uh, yeah. Though in this event, we are talking about like a totalitarian, something yes, that authoritarian, is yeah. completely, you know, just, I mean, you, you've laid it out for the audience, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, you know, in, just in, in cases, everyone and everything. Yeah, no, and one one interesting thing that I've been chewing on lately is that this talks about it being a preview to hell when I was going through the studies, and I was thinking about it, like, 
well, maybe hell's always talked about as a future in future tense. So my question is, does hell exist right now? I mean, we have incarnations of hell. I've seen people who, you know, their lives are hell. Like, so I think hell as a spirit is a real thing right now. But the question is, when does hell start existing? When do spirits start going to hell and experiencing that eternal damnation? Is it, mm. is it a place that, you know, spirits who already, you know, like you're not going to be saved. Do you go there as soon as you die? Or is it a lot like the new heaven where they can, they're kind of running around spiritually or, you know, not running around, just aimlessly lost in the spiritual realm. And during the day of final judgment, when he starts casting all the evil spirits to hell, is that when hell's created? Because I know it talks about the abyss, because the abyss is the jail cell of the highest generals of the of Satan's army, which we talked about several chapters ago. So the abyss exists, but it's not exactly talked about as a place where, as equivalent to hell, it's talked about more as the deepest, darkest pit where the deepest, darkest evils lie, you know? So yeah. it's just something I've been chewing about. I don't... I'm not going to make a, a biblical statement on that either way. It's just something that kind of got me thinking, and I figured I'd share that well, with you guys. The only speculation I can provide to you <laughs> oh, – I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. The only That's speculation – I, I, I do this all the time. We, we do it to each other. Um, the only speculation I can provide to you is there is – uh, pardon my lack of terminology here, but there is a belief uh, that is a sect of our faith that does believe that you could cross-reference, and I believe we brought it up in one of the first episodes vaguely, you could cross-reference different parts of the Bible in uh, continuation or like on a repeat cycle with one another. So yeah. like, you know, it's coercive, right? Uh, yeah. You could take something from the Old Testament and not just coercive in the sense that like, wow, that actually happened later on in the Bible. It's more mm -hmm. like, huh, does that take place at the same time almost? Like this yeah. event chains to this. And yeah. um, there's a lot of speculation for that. But uh, like um, the only thing I can really tell you is the only way I can dissuade from that is that time is eternal. And we mm -hmm. know that. So with God being ever present, yeah. omnip omnipotent. Mm-hmm. And all knowing, you got to wonder if that lapse of time, whatever we perceive to be time, is completely mm -hmm. irrelevant to the concept of hell itself. Or yeah, heaven. yeah, yeah. And and I, I I hear you on that, but there's often when even in Revelation, there's often times where it's talking about time passing. So even. In our, our new created bodies, we will still experience time. I don't think time's going to matter because they're, you know, eternal bodies. The reason time's such a big thing for us right now is because we have X amount of years to live and nobody knows exactly what their X is, you know. Physically, so we have this, though, physically, even yeah. when we get new bodies, that's still physical in, yeah. within within time this, and space. With, within time and space, sure. If you want to get nerdy, this realm... <laughs> Who knows that, like, in the the eternity that exists of heaven and what is hell, mm. if it is, okay, I should say that earth is still relevant to us, mm. but with time passing in heaven or hell, is it going to actually matter by the time we get there? 
No, this is this is definitely a minor thing. This isn't like a major theological thing. I just this is what I've been chewing on. So I figured I'd place that nugget in our listeners' ears so that they can chew on it for a while, and maybe they can come up with some answers. I love nuggets. <laughs> yes. Anyways, carrying on to the sixth bowl, the one that dried up the Euphrates. So that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to us today as being, especially if we're not living in the Middle East, but uh, that Euphrates River was so big and broad at the time that it created a natural barrier to the empires of the East for Israel. So to them, this would be like, I don't know, I can't think of a modern example because warfare has changed so much. We don't, we're not necessarily constricted by the physical geography as much anymore but back then this river created a a major barrier to invasion because you couldn't march an army across a river so today we could just airlift an army across a river so that's why i mean by we're not you know it does it's not the same strategic i mean still be in a ground battle very strategic but we could easily pass that and get around it but well, air or ground, I guess the most natural barrier that you can compare, in, in, at least in the Middle East, to the state would be the Dead Sea. That's a that's a it's a pinnacle and a central point in the Middle East where uh, a lot of conflict and unrest, as we've mm. used that term a million times, have to, uh, you know they happen to happen. There's a lot of trade that goes on there. There's a lot of suspicious stuff that you just don't know what's going on there until you know. I I guess. Uh, to put this lightly, back at the beginning of uh, most of the Middle Eastern wars that we partook in, yeah. in the last 10 years of the 20th century, and to the state in one of them, uh, the Dead Sea happened to be a high-priority target for hmm. both sides. So I guess, I guess you know, yeah, no, and, and so a lake would be more like what we would think about today because it's hard to fight around a lake. So, well, this Euphrates is a big river, and in that time would have been hard to get around strategically. So this True. coming and down, barrier, this drying like up, said. yeah, this, this drying up of that would mean the wall, the natural wall God provided for Israel is gone. So this this is talking about, the the empires of the east that we heard that were gathering for battle they are invading and it's not necessarily going to be the empire of china or something like that but it's just this idea in the bible is that if you're heading west you're heading towards god and if you're heading east you're heading away from god so if there's evil coming from the east if there's evil empires coming from the east it is uh it is an army that is not of god coming for who's left, you know, so. Okay, fair enough, which is where yeah. kind of where we get that abyss idea, too. Yeah, yeah. So, time to ruin frogs for everyone. Uh, the frogs were seen as unclean in this time, and they were a symbol for an Egyptian frog goddess. I didn't take the time to look up who that was, but even easy enough to say that at this time it had that juxtaposition of placing this this symbol for one of the goddesses that was worshipped at the time as making it evil, you know, connotating it with evil. So the evil spirits and the demons continue to use signs to deceive people on the earth. So even at this point, they're still trying to convince people that they are right, even though, you know, as we know, 
these people are not going to turn from them. They are, you know, here for final judgment. They're just trying to, you know, lie to themselves that they are going to win. And, and this is where they all prepare for the final battle in, in Armageddon, which I guess isn't the final, final battle, but we'll go over another battle where between heaven and hell or between the forces of good and the forces of evil. Excellent. Who doesn't, yes. who doesn't love a good romantic? Oh, and I use what? that not in a relationship sense. I mean, like romance as in the traditional sense of, 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 you know, good versus evil, bad guys versus good guys. Uh, Irredeemable, locked in combat. Yes. Hmm. War. Ooh. What is it good for? I'm not getting copyrighted. <laughs> Anyways, so we, we we must remember, you know, with as we go through this chapter to be covered by the righteousness of God, so that we don't get left out in this darkness that is coming. And the final Amen. bowl, the final bowl, the final storm, the final earthquakes, and the giant hailstones. Uh, this is no more judgments to come. So as we heard the loud voice call out, it is done. This is, you know, the, the, the icing on the cake. This is going to be where judgment ends and we'll start going to more nice things. I mean, we still have to talk about a war, I think, but we will get into the, the more cheery parts of revelation as we go on and then being poured out into the air. Often we hear reference to Satan being the prince of the power of the air. So, you know, he's he's the prince of this world. He's the god over this world. So this is this last plague is being thrown right in his face, pretty much. And then uh, that that when it starts talking about the wine cup and that that fierce anger, as it was in English, they use both the Greek word thymos and ogre, which. Are, we've talked a little bit about this being, you know, hot anger and, and righteous anger. So together, this is the one time they're used. So this is a hot, righteous anger where he is giving the great city Babylon her just desserts. And we see a, a hailstorm in the seventh plague of Exodus, which, and we see hailstorms throughout the Bible, actually where they're used as, you know, final judgment on people. So it's against the Canaanites and Joshua up against apostle apostate, excuse me, Israel and Isaiah, and then Gog and Magog and Ezekiel. So that concludes the chapter. So we could consider this a great chapter. It describes a great evil Babylon and great tools of judgment. These seven bowls that just completely, destroy and kill and just wipe clean the face of the earth. And then our great God who is, you know, merciful, but he is also the God of justice. He is bringing justice for all the evil that has accumulated on the earth. And he has to wipe that clean if he wants to make the perfect creation. Yeah. I mean, take St. Michael for instance. (laughs) Um, uh, That's uh, and. Well, that's a reflection of the Father's might, too. Yeah. So if there's anything else to add, we go over our takeaway for today. We serve the one true God, 
no matter what pagan daemons try to set themselves up with gods in our society, we will have victory in the end times. In this, we are free to bring war spiritually to our enemies and fight for their salvation. Ephesians 6, 12, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So that's just been the culmination of what I feel has has been the study in this chapter. I just, we need to repent and, you know, of course, you know, repent of our own sins, but we also need to start bringing the heat spiritually. We need to start reaching out to people. We need to start building community. We need to start showing people the true power of God. That's how we fight spiritually. And that's just, I feel like this, this country is hurting for God and they don't know where it's way to go. They're searching. They're trying all these different idols to place in the place of God. And we just need to show them the way as believers. We need to be that light, you know? Yeah. It open, open a line with God and definitely mention those in your life who have been in uh, the most literal sense of a struggle or for their well-being, anything. I, I love the idea of praying for others. It makes so much sense to reach out and consider others. Not to say that your own priorities don't exist, because they do for every single person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and like I said, this is a time to start meeting with other Christians, to start talking about the Bible. This is a time to start feeling the Spirit of God so that you can help bring that Spirit to others. Anything else to add, buddy? Or shall I send us off? All right. Well, um, Chris Hess out. I'll let you do our end cap. And uh, yeah, God bless. Thank you for listening to Revelation On Demand Podcast. Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you catch podcasts from. Please, if you like what we're doing, share this with a friend, family member, or someone from your church. This is a completely private venture and we receive no funding from any sources. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, please feel free to contact me at revelationondemand at gmail.com. That is in the description. God bless and see you next time.